0: You're listening to the Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Sciano. It's the summer vacation edition. Ah, summer vacation. This summer, we needed it more than ever, right? Well, I just got back from my family vacation to the Casco Bay region of Maine. And uh, traveling always puts things in perspective, right? It opens your eyes to things you may not have seen or considered before, and it shows you new ways of doing something. While in Maine with my family, you know, I had some ideas that relate to business. And I'm going to say one thing that I love about my husband is that he totally indulges me in these type of conversations. Um, <laughs> if I mentioned something about, you know, the business system of the brewery that we're enjoying a beer at, you know, he dives right into the analysis with me. So it's good to have a partner who will talk your talk sometimes. And the craft of beer culture is really strong up in the Northeast. You know, it's a fascinating business model and one that I totally appreciate from the product that they create to the artwork on the labels to the design of the spaces. I mean, there is so much architectural design and interior design going on there. You know, brewery culture is you know, a modern art filled communal experience. I just love what they're creating there. And since we visited a few breweries along the way, it was in part a catalyst for some of the thoughts I'm going to share with you. And so today I'm sharing some inspiration from my family travels. The long game is the story behind the story vacation edition. who are going through the same struggles of building a business as you are. We'll hear from successful entrepreneurs sharing their long-game strategies. And I'm fun, so we're going to have a little fun along the way too. Thanks for being here. Let's get to today's episode. So I had a number of epiphanies while away this past week with my family. You know, it was a vacation where... I didn't open my computer. You know, I brought it, definitely brought it, but I really took a break from it. You know, we spent the week in Maine and I was finding inspiration in the sea air and the rocks and, you know, going out on the deck every day and overall just looking wilderness and water. There was a bald eagle nest in the trees near us. So I would see bald eagles fly by and there were crows, of course, I couldn't get rid of the crows, right? They came to me um, during my vacation and really made themselves known. I'm sure they're there all the time, but that was pretty cool too to have that. And, you know, we just spent some good family time, you know, eating and playing games. And it was different than the family time that we've had the past two years being stuck in our house together and having to function in those ways. Like, it was just nice to be relaxed the whole time. You know, my husband and I were talking on the last day of our trip about like, oh, you know, this was good. This was a successful trip. And, you know, I had said that I laughed till I cried so many times this week. And to me, that is a measure of a good holiday. So there you have it. But our time together sparked thoughts and ideas for me. You know, It also brought up a memory of a story um, that I heard years ago that seems really fitting to share here and I think you'll appreciate. It's the story behind the story. In that concept it's like we don't really know what was going on because we were only told this story, you know? So we don't really get the inner workings of everything. So I love that concept and this is the perfect story to share for it. So, okay. So, you know, I want to start out by saying when you're traveling, you know, it's common to say, "Hey, where should we eat? What should we do?" get some recommendations. But even if you have been to a place before, ask for recommendations. You know, I consulted with a friend and podcast listener, hey Beth, shout out, who gave me a few recommendations. She knows the area well, her family's from there. And we did two recommendations that she gave me and they were so on point because she knows my family. She gave me ideas like the kids will like this, go. And they really did. So, you know, even if you're, you've gone to a place many times, like do not dismiss talking to other people and getting recommendations. I don't think I would have found these places had I not asked. And I also did some research before which, before I left, which did not uncover either of her recommendations. But because I researched, I had found something that was a highlight and was a real point of our trip. So I just want to say Ask for recommendations. Go do that. Okay, so one of the other things that really hit me over the head one day was we had gone to a water park, which was one of the recommendations. This water, there had all kinds of water slides and things like that. And it was cool. It was like a small, very family oriented. You could bring a cooler in and have a picnic and stuff. And kids were running around. And at the check-in, when you're buying your tickets, you have the opportunity to rent a locker for your valuables. And I could not help but, like, analyze this whole scenario. Like, this is such a daily cash boost to the business, I'm sure. You know, like, they have a few hundred lockers, and they're $8 each. They sell them daily, and they turn them over. You know, and I love this concept, because the lockers are a one-time expense that, like, continues to bear fruit, you know? They... Have minimal upkeep. They probably just had to install them, pay for them, that initial piece. And the upkeep is really minimal. Like they don't need anybody to monitor them. You know, maybe the managers have a skeleton key for when somebody loses their key. And maybe there's a minimal replacement cost for keys that are lost. And that's kind of it. And I love. The concept, you know, it provides this valuable service, like securing your money and your keys and your phone, which I totally took them up on because I was on a trip. I don't want to lose my keys. I didn't want somebody to take my bag and lose my keys. I wouldn't be able to get my car and get home. It's a service that allows people to enjoy their day, too. Like, you don't have to worry about this because for eight bucks, it's secure, and it's very little cost to the business as well. Like past that initial build out, so you know there are so many cool thoughts to to have about this. You know, and honestly, these lockers have probably put somebody's kids through college. That's you know over the years, right? It's a seasonal business, so you know this becomes an added revenue stream and an opportunity for this business to maximize what's happening at the park. You know, I love that the marketing was so simple as well. Like when you buy your admission ticket, it's like an insurance policy for your good time. And it's not pushed. It's just like, do you want a locker? Yes or no? You know, and it is, it's not a necessary, not everybody probably takes them up on it. And it's just an add-on offer. So I love that, that whole concept. You know, if you are a season ticket holder and you come to this water park all the time, you might be like, oh, I put my key to my car on my tire out in the parking lot and I don't spend it. But me, I'm visiting. I'm definitely buying that. I love that idea of this revenue stream coming from extra minimal upkeep. And it probably adds You know, several thousand dollars a week to this business. I mean, they have people coming in. I mean, they're open seven days. I would say that's a good chunk of business. Let's say they're making a thousand bucks a day on lockers. Like, that's a real added boost. And it got me thinking, like, what can we do for our businesses that you build out once, minimal upkeep? You know, that's the whole idea with courses as well. I mean, you want to upkeep your course, of course, but sometimes you can just build one thing out and put it up for sale. I love the concept used here of add-on. It's not a push. It's not a heavy marketing push. It's just an add-on. Would you like it? Would you not like it? Okay, boom. That really got me thinking. And I said, God, these guys are so smart as they're doing their seasonal maximizing. You know, they also had each um, water slide has a different apparatus. So certain ones have tubes that you go down on. Certain ones have mats. Others you go down without anything. And so they have piles of those things you can just take when you're ready. But if you want to use a tube to go in the wave pool, you need to purchase that. If you want a double tube or a triple tube, you have to purchase that. And those things aren't necessary for fun. They're not necessary to come in and enjoy the park. But they're an additive. And I bet they make so much money on the additives, even the food thing. Like they're selling chicken fingers and fries and sodas and all of that kind of stuff. But you can bring in your own food and they tell you bring a cooler. So it's not a hard sell, but it's there. And I bet they make a good amount of money on that kind of stuff. So something to think about. So the next business thought on our trip came to me when we were at the Topsham county fair. And it was the last day of the fair. We were lucky to catch it. So we went and it was a hot summer day, you know, like I can imagine the locals really look forward to this because it's a five day county fair. They bring in rides, there's farm animals, there's all kinds of contests, like, you know, the agriculture contests and the art contests like quilting and crocheting and all sorts of things like that. They have a midway with rides and games. I mean, it's a five-day extravaganza. There was also a demolition derby, which for my family, that was the highlight. (laughs) My kids had no idea what that was. So it was an introduction to some pop culture and some stories for them. And it was for my husband and I, we were reminiscing about happy days and I had to pull up the episode on YouTube and rewatch it where the Fonz was in the demolition derby against the Malachi brothers. Okay. Now you can know we've gone all the way deep into the pop culture piece for me, but there was tons of people watching there. You know, everyone is out. They're all coming and supporting. And one thing that we noticed was that ripped jeans are really in here. Girls, Teens, women, they were all rocking their ripped jean look in the summer sun. And it's like this craze has taken hold in this little corner of the world, you know? And that was my thought like, capture your little corner of the world. It doesn't have to be the whole world, right? There's enough people in every community to support a product. You know, we talk about small, I'm doing air quotes business, like, We talk about that a lot. Like, you can have a small business, but it can be successful. Check out episode 63, where I referenced the book, The Magic of Tiny Business. So, you know, it was so impactful. We saw so many people wearing ripped jeans that it really made, like, my husband and I remarked on it several times to each other, you know, and it's 90 degrees in the hot summer sun and people are rocking their jeans, like You don't need the whole world. You need a community that can take hold. You know, you can have a successful business by capturing a part of the market, a community or a niche, right? Like that's the idea of starting with a niche and expanding, starting small and growing out. So more business insight from Maine. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk to you about is the story behind the story concept, while we were away, we visited the Androscoggin Swinging Bridge. And I found this while doing some pre-research on the area. And I love like history and I love like the stories surrounding this. So it ended up being even cooler once we got there. Okay. So I'm linking to this bridge in the show notes. so You can see it. So the Swinging Bridge is a suspension bridge that was built in the 1890s. And the bridge enabled mill workers who lived on one side of the river to access the mill on the opposite side of the river to get to work much easier. You know, they didn't have to go around to like the carriage walk, I thing, or walk on the carriage bridge. They could walk on a pedestrian swinging bridge. So, you know, it's a really good sized bridge. And when you walk across it now, I mean, you can imagine how much it would have been swinging. Like at the midway point, you're like, whoa, okay, it's pretty hardy here. And you know, back in the day, it was built with timber. (laughs) So now it is a steel superstructure. It has been renovated over the years and changed, but you can really imagine how much that was swaying back then. But the bridge was built by John A. Roebling's son's company, and they are the same people who built the Brooklyn Bridge. And this brought an old story to light that my husband and I marveled at when we heard it years ago. I'm going to share it with you. So the Brooklyn Bridge was started by John Roebling and his company. And John had passed on early in the 14-year build of the Brooklyn Bridge, and his son, Washington, took over. And a bit into his leadership Washington became very ill from what is said to be caisson disease, which is a form of decompression sickness, basically the bends for any of my fellow scuba divers. But caissons are, what I've learned from my research now, are these air pockets that are created so that work can be done underwater. Like when they had to secure the bridge pylons into the ground, you know, they, they built these caissons that so that the workers could get down under the water. So Washington became very ill, like blind, having strokes, all of it. But this bridge was major, right? It was a major project. I mean, it was touted as the eighth wonder of the world when it was started. So enter Emily Roebling, Washington's wife. She was a super smart and resourceful woman of the 1890s. And she starts going down to the bridge construction site as Washington's representative. And this is a quote from the Wikipedia page about her. As the only person to visit her husband during his sickness, Emily Roebling relayed information from Washington to his assistants and reported to him the progress of the work on the bridge. So she was a little back and forth. She developed an extensive knowledge of strength of materials, stress analysis, cable construction, and calculating the curves through Washington's teaching. She complemented her knowledge by her prior interest and study in the bridges construction when her husband had been a- appointed as chief engineer. So she was paying attention all along and she was super smart and super worldly and outgoing where she really applied this knowledge and then so she became the intermediary between the workers at the construction site and her husband who was laid up in bed. So, I'm sure you can imagine that a monumental construction project in the 1890s was not the place to find women. And Emily, she endured. Like, she just went down there every day in her petticoat. And since she was educated and, you know, since she was so worldly, like, she held her own against the politics and the corruption that were happening and the daily workings of that industry. I mean, it was crazy back then, right? It's crazy now. So, Washington her husband never recovered and Emily saw through the completion of the Brooklyn Bridge over the next decade as the chief engineer and in fact she kind of made a way for herself in this industry she was the first person to cross the bridge once it was completed she took a carriage ride holding a rooster which it was rumored to be good luck and she made her way across the bridge and um the New York Times in 2018, launched a new version of their obituary section called Overlooked. And these are stories of those who were important and influential, but not written about at the time, like the early 1900s. So they launched this new section with a retroactive obituary of Emily Warren Roebling. And in their piece, it states, I don't think that the Brooklyn Bridge would be standing were it not for her, said Erica Wagner, the author of Chief Engineer Washington Roebling, The Man in the Brooklyn Bridge, which is a biography of Emily Roebling's husband. She was absolutely integral to its construction. So I'm putting a link in the show notes for you to read her obituary written in the New York Times in 2018 instead of 1890s, or actually early 1900s when she passed. It's really fascinating. And so, you know, this is the story behind the story. Emily Roebling was the driving force behind the building of the Brooklyn Bridge back in 1883. I mean, this is literally where the phrase behind every man is a strong woman, where that comes from, you know? And my husband and I enjoyed recalling this story, you know, inspired by our visit to the Swinging Bridge in Maine. Like who would have thought, You know, we lived in Brooklyn for many years and as Brooklynites, like that history, you live it, you're walking those streets. And they did say that they now have a plaque on the Brooklyn Bridge where it has John Roebling, Washington Roebling, and Emily Roebling all cited as the creators of the Brooklyn Bridge. So she has been given her due, but it's a huge story behind the story, right? We never really know what's going on. And there's several other, I'm going to have to look, there's other places that I'm sure we can find references here. And if you have some references, like let's start a thread of like women behind the movement, right? I'm going to post this on Instagram. So if you've got some other stories of the story behind the story, please share them. I just love that that comes up right? We can find that. And, you know, it took my family going to Maine to be re-inspired by the story. So I could share it with you as well. So there's some long lines there. Okay, great guys. I'm going to head out. Thank you for joining me this week. If you love this story, share it with someone, leave a review, let me know what you're thinking, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more info and the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on iTunes and leave me a review. Until next time, keep playing the long game.